That's me. I did that. I did that. Yay! Hey, fuckers. It's the Helema podcast. I'm your host, Helema. I I am not sure what I'm going to say. I know what I want to talk about. I just hit record. I'm going to talk about some shit. And this is going to be great because I, I feel it in my bones. So I was talking with my friend about midlife crises yesterday. My good friend, my dear friend. I, I learned that mid-crises not only are, are real, but they're fairly, really common. If you live long enough to be around your 50s, around the middle age of, uh, of a human being that dies of old age. So I'm going to have to research that a little bit more. But it, basically, I told him what I kind of feel from time to time in life. And he's told me, welcome to my midlife crisis. So it's not crisis full yet. It's not an existential threat for me. Um, but I'm probably really early into it. So I'll, I'll research it. But that's not what this podcast is about. I saw a Facebook post yesterday. And I wouldn't have thought anything of it if I had not been thinking about midlife crises. But... For whatever reason, that just started me down uh, the rabbit hole of interesting thought, and I thought I would think those thoughts in front of a microphone and see if there's a good podcast in here. So have you guys seen The Matrix? I'm going to talk about The Matrix. It's a movie. It's a series of movies. Uh, at least four movies that I <clears throat> think of, of varying quality. And I'll explain a little bit of The Matrix uh, in a way that sets it up. I know many of you have seen it, and many of you have not. And the the meme that I saw earlier today, really... Did I say yesterday that I saw the meme? Because it was today. Yesterday was the midlife crisis talk. Today, like an hour ago, was the, was the meme on The Matrix. So let me just set up the, the Matrix. It's very philosophical, the movie. The idea is AI, computers, artificial intelligence, they, human beings invented that, and then we had war with them, like every movie with AI seems to end up with. And human beings, I'm not, by the way, I'm not ruining, you know, anything that you don't learn in the first 25 minutes of the, the first movie anyway. So this isn't a spoiler heavy discussion. I'll get it. Uh, maybe I'll get into something in the middle of the first movie, but uh, this isn't spoiler territory. So anyway, the human beings cover the sky in thick smoke and the machines rely on solar energy. And so they can't get solar energy anymore because we blocked the sun. And so they decided to put all of the people into pods and everyone's unconscious and they're all tapped into a computer network and people are living their lives as if it was, you know, the period when the movie was made. The movie was made 
uh, came out in 99, 1999. And so basically, if you lived in, you know, basically the computers would have babies put into these things that you'd just be hooked up to the network. And as far as you know, that was real world. And real world was just like the real world we're living today. You, you know, you'd get up, you'd brush your teeth, you'd go to work, you'd have a girlfriend, you'd get a, married someday, you'd have kids. Uh, I assume they didn't talk about, like, killing people early. Like, the whole point was that they use, when the human beings in the pod, that you're generating bioelectricity, and the computers use that as an energy source. So it's not even necessarily that you're, you know, that they're just, like fattening you up for the slaughter they're just you live in a pod you think you're living in the real world but you're not and eventually you die of old age and you're not worth anything to the the machines anymore and they flush you down the toilet something like that so and then there's some people who know who live out in the real world who are hiding from the machines that want to kill them and it's a shitty post-apocalyptic life of dirt and filth and starvation until the machines eventually kill you. And the hero is the one who's supposed to bring an end to this system. And that's the, the idea of the Matrix. So, interesting. I, have, have I ever discussed... I don't think I've discussed with anyone the flaw in that premise. Because they, they go into how hard it was to create the right artificial system that people would live in, and they needed a right balance of misery and happiness to accept it, that if everything was going so perfectly that people would refuse to believe that that was reality. So there's a lot of really deep philosophical thoughts in, that, in the movie, a lot of uh, Eastern philosophy, a lot of different uh, psychological ideas, tech noir, all kinds of stuff jammed in there. Uh, so yeah, with, with the idea of how hard it is to get a person to live in a fake system and accept it and not wake up from it. You know, they talk about that in the movie and I thought, well, what about cows? Like, cows make more bioenergy than human beings do. So what if the why wouldn't the machines just put a bunch of cows into a cow matrix and not deal with people uh sentient beings who are deeply philosophical and feel like something's not quite right with the world. Like I feel like you could have just a world of fucking grass and other cows and the cows would be fine, and the cows aren't going to have an existential crisis and try to wake up and try to fight back against the machines. So if, if I were the machines, I would just have killed all the people and put cows into the Matrix, and then that would be it. So obviously I understand for points of the, re the movie happening, like plot reasons, why they didn't do that, but... That's my big flaw in the movie. But anyway, none of that has anything to do with, with, the, with the meme I saw. So there's this dude in the movie. It's 
ciphers the 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 everyone has a real name and then the the cool hip name that they use when they put on their leather jackets and walk around in the cyberspace. So Cypher is the name of the guy. He's the human that betrays the people. He's outside. He's free. He's one of the resistance fighters. And basically he agrees to betray his team and turn them over to the machines to be captured to get codes to access the rest of humanity hiding in the dirt so everyone can be killed. And in exchange for this, the guy who does the betrayal asks to be put back in the Matrix. He's basically, if you remember the scene, he he's holding a fork. He's, he's in a restaurant and he cuts a nice slice of steak out. Because they make a point. When, when you're in the real world, you're eating oatmeal snot uh and you know living in a post-apocalyptic world and then they show him he's in a fine restaurant talking with the main ai bad guy and he cuts a nice steak and he holds it up and he's like i know this isn't real i know that this is just a simulated thingy thingy uh but after all my free time i've learned this i've learned that ignorance is bliss and uh, basically that explains his motivation, that he wants to, he'll betray everyone. He wants to have his mind erased of what reality is really like. And he wants to be put back in the Matrix and just simply made someone important, like an actor, he says, uh, which is fairly funny. But basically he makes, that, that's, he makes the choice. He's seen reality and he chooses to betray the the people he's been fighting with and get put back in the matrix and the meme i saw was basically someone with a picture of that guy holding the steak on the fork or something like that but basically calling back to that scene and that conversation and it said i used to think that I wanted to be like the antagonist of the movie who fought against the AI and the fake world. But the older I get, the more I realize that I would rather be like the guy who did the betrayal and wanted to get put back in the Matrix. And, you know, I was... Because just that whole character is so interesting... Uh, but I never really internalized at least what that scene means to me now. Because basically someone, someone made that com that comment. He's like, I, I, I don't know that I would want to be the hero anymore. I'd rather be that guy. Just put me back in. Uh, ignorance is bliss. And someone wrote a comment. And it's like, well, it didn't work out too good for, you know, the betrayer guy. And it's like, well, yeah, the betrayer guy character did die. But... Uh, like a lot of people who did the right thing also died. And so it's not like, uh, I don't know. I, I guess the, the, the first point is whether you believe the truth or not, uh, bad things uh, and good things happen to you. But so that's neither here nor there. Like, obviously, if we wanted to pick a person in a story, 
we'd always pick to be the hero, but that's not that's not what I'm really thinking about it. I'm thinking about the the life decision. Would I rather would I rather know or not know? And that just has become so profound to me now, now that I know I'm in a midlife crisis. You, you have the idea that there's this artificial, not true to nature reality that we live in. And explicitly in the Matrix, that was, you know, getting up, going to your job, paying your taxes, going to church. You know, they list all this stuff out. You know, it's that that's this artificial thing. And. It's like, well, this is our life that we're living right now. And do I feel like something's not quite right? Yeah, I feel like something's not quite right. I, f I think we all feel that way. I think it's a universal thing. But what if it really wasn't, you know, what if it, w it was like the Matrix? Like, what if there was this whole other natural state? A way I could be living now that was more real than the artificial world that I think matters now. Would I, would I pick it? Cause they don't, they don't explain in the matrix. Maybe if they explain that people were going to like, like were lambs to the slaughter and you were all going to die at the age of 30 because it's not that they got bioenergy from you. It's that once you reach maturity, then they ground you down and got battery power out of you. But they they make it seem like you're only good to them while you're alive, and so they're just going to leave you as alive as long as possible. And it's like, basically, the point of the movie is... They don't explain this. Like, I didn't get this till today, but how bad is it to be in the Matrix? It's like, okay, well, you're living life like it was 1999 uh all your needs are met there's always a computer there that's going to make sure you don't you know there's no benefit to you starving to death they're keeping you alive uh it's just that you're not really in touch with what the truth is but you know what the fuck is so good about if you left that system, then you were an enemy of the system and the system was trying to kill you and you were trying to, you know, it's like, well, I'd rather... <sighs> Fuck, I'd rather not know that. And so that's kind of where I'm at with, with the midlife crisis thing, at least as of today. Is, is I don't know, just the, the idea of I understand my role, like... When I was 20, you know, and I had the whole, my whole future ahead of me and I knew enough to be dangerous and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and I was going to be a rock star and all that stuff and I was going to save the world and I was going to make a, a difference in the world and now you get to the middle of it and you're like, Shit, should I have done something different? Could I have done something different? How much focusing on just taking care of me and my family did I do? 
you know, is this an artificial system that we're in? I mean, we're not truly in touch with nature like a chimpanzee is in touch with nature, but fuck, I don't, I don't feel any great pull to be, uh, I don't know, foraging for food all day long and sleeping in a pile of leaves. So there's, there's a departure from nature that I've taken that I, I really appreciate. I don't want to get back in touch with that. So I guess if you, if I was to extrapolate out, it's like, well, what's, when you talk about the lie and the truth and what's real and what's not real in that sense that the, the, the visual difference in the matrix is the lie is normal society that we're living in and real life is hell. Now they do make the point that it, is it better? They're, they're fighting for people to be free. And so that's where it comes down to is freedom. The implication is if you are plugged into the matrix, you're unconscious, you're not living in reality, you're being fed manipulative experiences to maintain, basically to maintain control over you. You're being completely manipulated to not get too excited, to not get too worked up. And are you free? No, you're not free. But then what's the alternative? You know, what, what, what comes with freedoms? Like, oh my God, free freedom means you're like in a Terminator future landscape where you're running from machines and you're hiding in the sewer and you're eating oatmeal shit. So, you know, which would you choose? Freedom, freedom where you're in, like, see, this is, this is the interesting part. It's like, am I free in my life? I have to wake up at a certain time. I have to go to, I have to do certain things, you know, five days a week. I have to do this thing called work and I have to make money so I can get this stuff called food. Uh, and I can't even call it this stuff called food because food's not a fucking arbitrary thing that society tells us we need. Like I, I need food every, every few days. I need some food more, more than that, probably. So, and like shelter, uh, a spot to sleep that isn't, 20 degrees at night, you know, there's all these things that I need. And am I a slave for being part of that world? I mean, fuck, what's the alternative? So it's like, I can, I can be a slave to my job, a slave to money because well, I, I make money so I can have a place to live and, and food and health care and things like that. Because if I didn't make money to do that, then I'd have to trade for it or grow my own food. So it's not that like, 
you know, people who, who shit on, you know, wanting money. It's like, well, it's not just the money. It's the stuff that you get with money, stuff that's important, like shit that keeps you alive. So I'm not, this, you know, this isn't my treatise on uh, money bad. Um, I'm a slave to earning money because you turn money into other things you need to live and enjoy life. Like my Steam Deck that I play video games on now. That was my birthday present. I'm very happy about that. I play video games on my hand with a Steam Deck that I bought with money. But yeah, that, so... Uh, that's that's the kind of the thing that I, if I was to take the long fucking route around the idea, it's the slavery versus freedom. And so on one hand, you have a slave to working and then exploring whether or not that's fulfilling or not, that that's meeting my purpose. Or I could be free. I could be free of that. I could be free of society. And what does that mean? Uh, and I know, I, I, I doubt very much that the, the Matrix, uh, the writers of the Matrix were trying to make this point. Like, if you live in the real world, then that means you're literally hiding in the sewers and eating oatmeal. Um I doubt that they they built that in there, but that's just, this is just kind of where my mind went because it's such a rich movie that you can kind of write your own interpretation of the metaphors in, and that's where I'm at today. Is would I rather be free to be me, but the circumstances suck? Or whether I rather bow in, kind of turn off that nagging voice at the back of my head that says, uh, this isn't natural, something's not quite right. But I'm meeting my needs and my family's meeting their needs. Because when you look at so many of the atrocities that have happened in the last hundred years... So many of them were done by people who were just trying to make life better for themselves, for their for their families, for their neighborhoods. Who who thought you know that well? There's there's this enemy who's going to make life hard for my family. And if you, you know, that's a very strong emotion. You'll do almost anything with that emotion if you think something's going to decimate your family you know there you'll put up with someone taking from you or stealing from you but if someone's going to come and destroy your family you know that there's there's nothing stronger to make you do something you would never do any other way than if you really believe that and so I think there's a a very powerful, uh, you know, a driver in us as a species to do right by our, I want to say tribe. It's more than just, you know, our immediate family, but, you know, to kind of take care of ourselves to be a protector of our fellow man. 
and how much of a lie would we put up with if it meant not harming our fellow man? And on the flip side to that, how much of a lie would we, uh, you know, how many atrocities would we do if we thought it was protecting our fellow man? There's this book I'm reading now about the police, German Germans police force. When you were in in World War II times, when when the Nazis were trying to, you know take over the world and also get rid of uh, different groups like homosexuals and the Jews and the gypsies and, and whatnot. Uh, basically, uh, able-bodied men of a certain age had to either join the military or join the police force. And a lot of people joined the police force because they thought it would be easier than joining the military. But ultimately, a lot of the police were sent off to places like Poland, and it's like, all right, you 50 guys, go into the city, grab all of the uh, Jewish uh, men, women, and children there, and bring them out here to this uh, part here out in the trees, and then shoot them in the back of the head one at a time. There's about 1,200 of them there in that town, so it'll take you almost all day to do all of it so go ahead and go do it go ahead uh and you know it's like well they didn't sign up for that but and they, the the sick part is they weren't they weren't forced to do it the police officers were not forced you know no one said if you if you don't do this uh we're going to shoot you or court-martial you they were told it's like yeah you know uh if you don't want to do this, then why don't you just go home, you crybaby? And I'm going somewhere with this. Trust me. So many people stayed and did all the terrible things because they didn't want to let down. It's like, you know, you're a police officer. There's 10 other people that you're close with and you're all out on this patrol and you've all been asked to do something that feels terrible but it needs to be done for the good of your homeland you have to do it and are you gonna are you gonna be the the pussy asshole that goes home and leaves your your brothers to take care of what needs to get done that was the that was the reason why people did not the only reason why, but it's a strong reason why. It's a strong reason how they took normally decent people and got them to do terrible things is they got, they tied into our need to do right by our, God, is there a better word than tribe? Tribe's so, tribe's so overused, but our, our community, um, you know, the we're not going to do wrong by them. That we will, you know, that's the, the source of our greatest strengths. And the wrong manipulator can make it the source of, you know, humanity's greatest uh, failings and weaknesses. Uh, 
is that kind of need there. And I'm not even sure how I got on this tangent other, other than to say, um, yes, I get it now. I was going to make the point that I live in this artificial world of modern society. Is it real? Is it fake? Is it more real than fake? Is it more fake than real? Could I be doing something better? Would it be better if I went off the grid and lived off the land? So these are the questions, you know, now that I'm halfway to dead, um, I'm kind of just taking stock of my place as a pawn on this chessboard. And I think that... Well, the way the way I, I've heard it described, um, I heard uh, Jordan Peterson say years ago, um, he was talking about tomorrow. Tomorrow doesn't exist. There's no such thing as tomorrow, which is true. There's only right now. Right now is the only thing that exists. Like, you can't do anything tomorrow because um, tomorrow is always something in the future. So does tomorrow exist? Well, you know what? We act like it does, and that seems to work for us. And so whenever I'm having a deep philosophical question about, well, what's real, what's fake? Is society real or is society fake? Should we, or would, would, be, would we be better off uh, living more like gorillas? I say, well, society, we act like society works. Or we, we act like society's good. And at least for now, uh, that works. You know, I mean, fuck, I, I go to my job. I come home from my job. I play my Steam Deck. I play my guitar. I'll do a podcast, you know, every 17 months. And... I'm living my life, and it works. Is there a better way out there? I mean, I don't know. I can take an incremental approach and try a little of this, a little more of that, a little more red meat, a uh, little less Twinkies. I can try to make incremental changes, but the idea that I'm on the drastically wrong path, you know, when I look at what matters to me, am I doing right by my tribe? Could I be doing better? I mean, yeah, we could all be doing better, but am I doing wrong by them? And that's how I think this all ties in and together is how would how would someone who is having a midlife crisis in the matrix feel? He's got a nagging feeling that something's not quite right. But knowing ultimately, well, I could I could wake up and be dropped out of my pod that gives me food and lets me think that life is not chaotic and great and I can just be dropped into the sewers to go <laughs> run for my life without any, you know, healthcare or doctors or food until a machine eventually kills me, you know, in three weeks. 
you know, the more I think about it in these terms, I'm like, tell, tell Keanu Reeves to knock it off. <laughs> People have got a, a really good deal here. You're being, you're being lied to. Aren't you lucky? So, like a good story, I'm not going to summarize, uh, exactly what my point or what my my thinking is or i'm sure i'm sure my midlife crisis isn't over i'm sure i haven't solved it i sure i didn't talk my way through it i don't think you can i don't think midlife crises are based on actual rational concerns that people have where they just kind of hit a certain age and then they start to realize that they should feel uneasy i think it's other things at play, and even if I have a good answer for everything, that doesn't make the the nagging go away. And I don't have a lot of nagging. Like I said, I I think I'm just aware of the the shit storm that's coming. Maybe like women get hot flashes, and guys get midlife crises. I'm gonna have to look into this. This is this is interesting now because it's now it's just interesting to me because I don't lay in bed at night thinking oh god i fucked up i fucked up <sighs> i need a change in life i need a i need a, a a wife i need a new wife who's half my age was it like al pacino is like 73 and he's got like a 25 or 30 year old new wife with a little kid like, what the fuck are you having a kid for when you're in your 70s? Like, you just want to make sure that, you know, your kid is fatherless before they reach uh, seven? <sighs> I mean, I don't know. If I, was, if I was 70 and still capable of having sex, and I married someone who was young enough, to get pregnant, because that's usually the thing. Usually a 70-year-old, and I'm sure there's tons of 70-year-olds who are having lots of sex out there. But you're usually not Al Pacino, so you don't usually get to have sex with someone who can still have babies. So, you know, you can have a 72-year-old guy having sex with a 65-year-old woman, and they can do all they want, and there's not going to be a baby out of it. So... All this to say, maybe that's my main, so that's my main takeaway, is uh, uh, when, when, when I'm in my 70s and I'm, I'm boning some strange, although I don't have to learn the lesson because I've already had the vasectomy, but it would, it would be if I hadn't had the vasectomy and I knew I was having sex, which uh, honestly, if you're 72... There's only one real reason to marry someone who's 25, because they're not going to be happy with you. Fuck. They're not going to be happy with you, and you're not going to be happy with them, because you want to you wanna drink some Metamucil and watch Wheel of Fortune uh, when you're 72. And maybe, maybe, maybe not that, but you don't want to go out to the club. You don't want to go dancing at the fucking club. So, it's like there's really only one reason... If you're almost dead, to want to be with someone who's at the peak of their 
energy and go out and grab life by the horns and fucking spend the night in the club. You know, I was my my friend was 35 and I was 35 and his girlfriend was 25. And I hung out with him and her and her friends and like one night and I'm like I don't, I don't want to do that again cuz I'm 10 years older than these people and they just want to go out to the club and I'm too old for that shit. I'm 35. God damn it. I can't go to the club with the 25 year old. Fuck. I can't imagine being 72 and wanting to go to the club with the 25 year old. So that's, that's my takeaway. That's the, I think, I think that's what the whole purpose of the midlife crisis was for is to remind me that no matter what happens in my life, do not impregnate anyone when I'm in my 70s. Which this is probably why the midlife crisis isn't hitting me hard, because I've already had the vasectomy, so I can't, there's no lesson for me to learn, because I've already, already taken care of it. So... So you guys get where I'm coming from, you know? You get it, right? There's a meme on Facebook and uh, an Al Pacino. All right. Thanks for listening to my bullshit. I meant every word. This podcast is sponsored by D's Nuts. <laughs>